Now on Netflix. Inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and in select theaters. Rated R. Today is Tuesday, June 8th, 2021. On this day in 1978, the last will of billionaire Howard Hughes, which supposedly left $156 million to a stranger he met one time, was deemed a fake. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a Spotify original from Parcast. Today we're covering the forgery of Howard Hughes' will. Hughes was an American business tycoon, a successful manufacturer, filmmaker, and aviator. Let's go back to Nevada on June 8, 1978. The trial to determine whether or not Howard Hughes' alleged will was legitimate finally went to the jury late in the afternoon. The case had been in progress for seven grueling months. At stake was Hughes' seemingly boundless estate. The magnate had died two years earlier, mid-flight from his Acapulco, Mexico property to a hospital in Houston. The jurors had a lot to consider. They knew the will was delivered to the Mormon Church headquarters in Salt Lake City, Utah, about three weeks after Hughes passed. In it, he supposedly left most of his estate to the church. But it also mentioned four universities, several charitable organizations, and one Mr. Melvin Dumar. Dumar was an aspiring country singer and gas station attendant who claimed he picked up a scruffy stranger deep in the Nevada desert many years prior. The stranger, Dumar said, ended up being billionaire Howard Hughes. The story was hard to believe on its surface because Hughes was a famous tycoon, but in his final years, it was true that he grew reclusive and eccentric. He never married and had no known children. Before he died, he seemed unkempt with long, dirty hair and overgrown fingernails. So while Dumar's story was pretty unlikely, it wasn't totally out of the question. Hughes was known to be eccentric and disheveled, but Dumar had a lot of explaining to do if he hoped to convince a court. Dumar explained that in late December of 1967, he'd been cruising through the Nevada desert around midnight. He'd just passed the Cottontail Ranch brothel and had to pull off the road to relieve himself. When he finished, he spotted a body lying in the dirt around 100 yards away. At first, 23-year-old Dumar thought it was a corpse, but when he neared it, the stringy-haired man, who was injured, begged him for a ride. Dumar offered to take him to a doctor. Instead, the man asked to stop at the Sands Hotel in Las Vegas. Dumar agreed, and the bloodied stranger jumped in. The hitchhiker then introduced himself as 62-year-old business mogul Howard Hughes. Dumar listened to Hughes' story, but claimed he didn't really believe him. He assumed he was just another desert wanderer down on his luck. 
Once they reached the sands, Hughes extended his hand, thanked Dumar, and faded into the crowded hotel lobby. Dumar never heard from the man again, but nine years later, in 1976, when the real Hughes passed away, he claimed to receive an envelope containing a handwritten will at his Utah gas station. Dumar said the mail was actually addressed to the president of the Mormon church. Still, curiosity got the better of him, and he steamed it open to read the document before delivering it to the church secretary. It was handwritten on torn pages from a yellow legal pad, water-stained and crumpled. The page was christened the Mormon Will. It stated that after Hugh's death, his estate was to be divided as such. Approximately one quarter of his fortune, worth $375 million, was to be awarded to the Mormon Church. Other charities and organizations were mentioned as well. Finally, the will singled out Melvin Dumar of Gabs, Nevada. Dumar was to receive one-sixteenth of the estate, a gift valued around $156 million. Dumar resealed the envelope and dropped it off on an empty desk in the Mormon Church office building. Officials forwarded the letter to the Clark County District Court in Las Vegas for probate. The case caught public attention, and the closer to trial it got, the more skeptics questioned its authenticity and Dumar's midnight tale. Coming up, we'll hear how Dumar defended himself against Hughes's staff in court. Hi, listeners. It's Carter from ParCast. And I am thrilled to tell you about a new limited series I'm hosting just in time for Father's Day. It's called Devious Dads, and it introduces you to some of the most feared, fraudulent, and fatal fathers in history. Every Sunday on Spotify, discover the men who started out as role models and ended up becoming real-life criminals, like Wall Street financier Bernie Madoff, whose billion-dollar Ponzi scheme destroyed countless families, including his own. Or Marvin Gaye Sr., whose envy and resentment towards his son's successful music career drove him to murder. Each episode of Devious Dads has been handpicked from shows across the ParCast network, shining a light on the men who are far more wicked than wise. This summer, catch a glimpse of the frightening side of fatherhood. Follow the Spotify original from ParCast, Devious Dads. Listen free only on Spotify. Now back to the story. On June 8, 1978, the jury came to its final decision about American magnate Howard Hughes' will, which many believed to be a forgery. Over seven months, the panel had listened to experts debate the handwritten document. Melvin Dumar, who stood to gain $156 million from the testament, had his fingerprints all over the will's envelope. His credibility was further sullied by testimony that he'd been researching Hughes at the Weber State University Library in Ogden, Utah. Further accounts by Hughes' staff revealed that their boss never left the Sands property between 1966 and 1970. They confessed to monitoring Hughes in eight-hour shifts. 
Their statements discredited Dumar's tale that he'd met Hughes once in the middle of the desert. Even the judge mentioned at the trial that he thought Dumar was lying. The jury ended up deliberating for almost 11 hours, but when all was said and done, they declared the will to be a fake. After the verdict, the public assumed Dumar forged the will himself. He and his family were attacked by the tabloids and provided late-night TV hosts with endless fodder for their comic routines. The whole thing left Dumar and his wife broke. Because of their 15 minutes of fame, they also found it impossible to get new work. Three decades later, around 2005, a retired FBI agent started his own investigation. He felt the initial trial was tarnished by perjury and the coercion of witnesses. He came across new testimony from Hughes' pilot, who contradicted the rest of the staff. They'd insisted Hughes was safe at the Sands while Dumar claimed to rescue him. The pilot announced he actually remembered flying Hughes to the Cottontail Ranch brothel on December 29, 1967. He said Hughes wanted to visit a sex worker named Sonny there. But the pilot blacked out at a bar waiting for Hughes. When he went to retrieve his boss, Hughes had vanished. So the pilot returned to Vegas without him. Though the new story seemed like a good lead, the retired FBI agent's late investigation yielded no tangible results. In the end, an official last will and testament never surfaced. Hughes' estate was dispersed among about two dozen relatives. In 2006, after the FBI agent published a book on his findings, Dumar sued two men linked to the estate. He accused them of misconduct during the initial trial, but his motion was denied. 74-year-old Melvin Dumar died in 2018. He never saw a penny of the $156 million for which he fought. Instead, he inherited a life of regret and ridicule. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Paul Liebeskin, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Bruce Kitovich. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by John Levinson, with writing assistance by Terrell Wells, and fact-checking by Cheyenne Lopez. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Hey there, Carter again. As we close out, here's a reminder to check out my new ParCast limited series, Devious Dads. For 10 weeks, we're exposing the men who are far more flawed than fatherly, ruining anyone who stood in their way, even their own families. Follow Devious Dads free only on Spotify.